Christmas in Queenstown uh, really deserves our praise and acknowledgement. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. I think it's really fantastic effort just, just feeling this way, you know. I don't know, know how they managed to chop down so many trees uh, from, I don't know, Norway or something. Okay, anyway, uh, you know, as I was preparing for today's uh, sermon, I realized that I don't spend uh, as much time here on the Sunday service because I spend most of my weekends on the Saturday service. So for those who do not know who I am, I, I thought I'd just give a quick introduction. Huh? My name is Sean Old. Okay, I'm, I've been the youth leader slash youth pastor for the last seven years, maybe since 2016. Okay, so why I say that is because you know, I think the Spirit led me to ask the congregation if there's anybody that feels passionate about youth or young adults, okay, please let me know. All right, uh, you know, we always do it more help. And I believe that uh, the youth, the teenagers and young adults are an extremely precious group of people. And when we can speak God's word into their life, I think it makes tremendous difference. Uh, and definitely did make a huge difference in my life. So, you know, if you, are part, if you want to be part of the journey, please let me know or find your way to me. Tell pastors, tell somebody, okay? Right. So there's a quick uh, introduction about myself. And uh, so today, I will be speaking from the passage from Second Peter. So let's, before we begin, let's, let's come to God in prayer. Come, let's pray. Father, we are gathered in your house and we wait on you. Lord Jesus, come and may you speak to us through your words of life. Inspire us, Holy Spirit, that we might see the truths and that you give us strength and hope for the days to come until, Lord Jesus, you come again. Reveal unto us your secrets today, O Lord. All this I ask in Jesus' mighty name. And what he says, Amen. Well, you've scheduled a meeting with a friend uh, who is always reliable and on time. However, it is now uh, 30 minutes after your scheduled meeting time. He has not contacted you. What goes through your mind? You've scheduled a meeting with a friend who often cancels your appointments at the last minute, has extremely bad time management skills. However, now it's about 30 minutes after your allocated meeting time, and this person has not contacted you. What goes through your mind? Well, same scenario, two very different individuals, right? And I'm very sure your assessment in the last couple of seconds uh, has been shaped ex uh, largely by the person that has promised to meet you, right? Uh, let me know if you think so. You can nod your head. <laughs> well, well, okay. Anyway, uh, today's passage you know, shows us that you know the Jesus's promise of his return, okay, is uh, being put through the fire. He is being tested. Okay, so uh, today, you know, I, I mean, the allocated passage was taken from Peter, Second Peter, chapter three, verses eight to fifteen. But you get a little bit of a bonus. Okay, I decided let's just do the entire chapter. Are you excited? <laughs> get some bonus, do extra work. Okay, so my first point, and I'm going to do a little bit of a line by line analysis. I hope it, uh, you know, it, it, it's easy to follow. The first point I have for you is this: is to Remember the truth. Well, you see, I'm starting from verse 1. Okay, so verse 1 to 7. So verse 1 to 7 talks about what Christians will face and observe. And since we didn't read it just now, let's read it. I'll read it for you right now. 
Okay, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you. Beloved, in both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, let's go down to uh, verse by verse, okay? So, Peter addresses us as the beloved. Do you know that you are beloved in Jesus' name? Amen. How wonderful it is for the believers to be loved. And I think many of us can attest to that, that in some way and form, I hope that you are loved by, you know, your precious, your spouse or your parents or whoever. It's a wonderful thing to be loved and how wonderful it is to be loved by the creator of this universe. So Peter, the, the writer of this letter, obviously, right, Second Peter, and to the people of the beloved, uh, to the beloved people of God, Peter was actually giving them reminders Okay, we have the benefit of reminders. You see, I, I believe reminders come from a place of good intentions, okay? Now, despite them at times coming from a pretty poor delivery, you know, most of the time, we might have a little bit of negative reaction to reminders, or in other words, uh, inverted commas, nagging, okay? So, so, but do you realize, I, I want to maybe draw us to perspective. Do you realize that uh, most of the reminders come from people who wish the best for you? Think about it. Okay. So, but, but before the parents, the leaders, the bosses here start to feel too validated about this thing that I just said, right? You know, I think all of us have a lesson to learn here that we all need to learn to deliver reminders in a way that it can be received by the recipient. Uh, otherwise, it's no use, pointless, right? Uh, uh -huh. So that's where the real challenge is. So those that are uh, entrusted with the ability to give reminders, feedback, or na nagging, uh, let us all work on our delivery, okay? But there is a word for those that are recipients of these so-called reminders. I, I, I re did a quick reflection on this, and actually it's this. It's this is that we, we need to try to see beyond our own bruised ego or pride and realize that actually, actually it is a privilege to have people spend their time to give us reminders, to give us feedback. Our parents take a lot of energy to nag us, maybe some less energy than others. <laughs> so recently, I had the, uh, in inverted call, privilege to give feedback to one of my interns Okay, and uh, coming from the perspective of the person giving the feedback, I gained a new revelation. You see, the Lord also speaks to us in our workplaces. Amen. So I was draft. I spent half a day drafting feedback for this very young, enthusiastic intern, and I realized that it was not easy. 
So those that have given feedback to people, you realize it is not easy. But it comes from a place of good intention, right? Unless you're a small group of people that have malicious intent, you like to destroy people's ego. But for the vast majority of us, and I believe the people in Church of the Good Shepherd, amen, we give feedback with good intentions. And this is exactly it. Reminders are given because we are the beloved. So what was Peter reminding the beloved about? He was reminding us about the scriptures and the words of Jesus. He says this because he knows that people or scoffers, okay, would come against what is being taught through the scriptures and through what Jesus himself said. He states this so that the believers know that there is no need to be surprised or taken aback when they come in the face of scoffers. Okay, so what are scoffers? Lazy me went to Google, <laughs> just snipping through the first thing I saw. Scoffers are people who mock, who ridicule. They like to belittle or tear down something. Uh, some of you, when I say this, right, you are like nodding your head. Have you met scoffers in your life? Oh, poor us. <laughs> okay, so anyway, back. They have overlooked the truths, okay? And they follow their sinful desires. These scoffers, okay, what are they doing? They are questioning the promise of Jesus' second coming based on the assumption that since things have been in status quo, I've not seen such a thing in my life, right? And there has not been any real observation of God's widespread judgment on this earth, then it must not be true. But Peter is saying that this is not the truth. It cannot be further from the truth. Because while the heavens and the earth were formed by the Word of God, and were deluged and perished. The earth we see today is not the same earth that God created and designed. Why? God created the earth in perfection, in goodness. There shouldn't be blemish of sin. The world was good when God first created it. Along the way, of course, if you know the story, right? Humans sinned, they fell short, and that's how sin entered the world, and everything became tarnished, and we, live now begin in, we now live in a fallen world. Okay, and then obviously if you know the story down, God then actually pronounced judgment in the story of Noah when a giant flood came. So the thing is this, is that God's judgment has been in this earth before. So don't take it lightly. Scoffers ignore these facts of history that is written in the scriptures. They downplay the severity of God's judgment upon this earth. And now, here's the thing, you see, we, without, the understanding, without understanding the severity of sin and the judgment that God has against sin and the judgment that will bring, that will come, it can be very easy to be misled or actually ignore the damaging effects of sin. We have to come face to face with sin and judgment. However, we need to be reminded Right, that one day, there will be the destruction of the ungodly. The destruction of the ungodly. Now, now before you get offended by this statement, okay? They say some people like to ask, how can a loving God also be a God of destruction? Now, now let me put it this way. When all of us turned up at the cinemas to watch the Avengers Endgame, right? 
Were we all not waiting for Thanos and his enemy and his army to be utterly destroyed? Were we not cheering when the good-looking Captain America said the famous Avengers assemble and all of them appear in the, from the circles, right? And were we not cheering when Captain Marvel turned up to help extremely last minute, actually? So you see, you see, all of us want the bad guys to be destroyed. So can we reconcile the fact that God will bring judgment and destroy the ungodly, the wicked, and the evil? Can we recognize that? You see, God is storing up fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Well, now, objectively speaking, this sounds like an extremely scary day, right? And, and it in, indeed, it is for those who do not have the precious blood of Jesus upon them, but for the believers, for the beloved. Hallelujah, we have nothing to fear because the blood of the Lamb has rendered you and me righteous forever. Amen. So we have absolutely nothing to fear. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says this, Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen. And that is my first point. Second point. Now we go into the passage that we actually, it was actually allocated to me. My second point is this. Our God does not conform to human logic. Peter goes on to give an explanation to encourage the beloved people of God. He does not ignore the comments made by the scoffers because essentially what they were doing, all right, what these people were doing, they were accusing Jesus of not fulfilling His promise of returning. They were saying that Jesus is slow, that He, in other words, He lacks credibility. They were taking a diss on Jesus. Now such talk, no matter how ignorant, uh, how innocent, how logical, how earnest, breeds contempt. And is, I believe is not helpful for Christians to dwell upon. And so I thank God that the Holy Spirit spoke through Apostle Peter in a profound manner to address the issue once and for all. He didn't ignore the accusations by these people. He gives us an explanation. How does he explain it? I love it. Peter points us upwards to look upon the nature of God. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, sometimes when we face struggles and issues, the, the, the best solution is to look up and look at the character of our God. He says this, Okay, he explains, Do not overlook this one fact, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In other words, Peter is saying, Hey, look, us humans, we are bound by time. But the Lord, He is not. So don't reduce Him to our level. So in here lies a lesson for us, doesn't it? So often when we are faced with doubt, or trials, or struggling with the Lord, we use our human understanding to assess the credibility of God. But Peter shows us that we should look beyond our logic and see the character of God. We need to see how God works. Is money or gold important? Oh yes, to us. <laughs> but to the Lord, 
they are mere material for building the streets of heaven. Uh, is it important to build our assets, car, house? Yes, to us. But to the Lord, what does it benefit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? Is God slow? Yes, to some of us. But to the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And so with that, we have to understand that God is beyond our human understanding. Now, this is not the easy way out, okay? I know that there are some groups of people who really earnestly seek to understand God, but they cannot. They come to certain roadblocks in arguments and debates. And so as a result, they question God's credibility and you know, at times they begin to cast doubt on God based on what this fallen world portrays. And many times there are questions and things that, I mean, quite honestly, you cannot be explained. You will come to a point where you will hit a roadblock and you can't get that answer. It's not satisfactory. Why? Because God's purposes are higher than ours. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 9 tells us very clearly that, and this is God Himself speaking, okay, He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. However, this itself is, you know, really appears insufficient as an explanation. It's so dismissive. It seems like the easy way out, right, to justify our faith in the face of a difficult or unexplainable question. So easy, just say this answer and okay, that's the end of the conversation. But let me put it this way, okay? And, I, and I've said this several times in my time as a preacher. I would rather worship a God that I cannot understand fully. Because if I could figure God out 100%, why would I bother calling Him my God? Those who have ears, let Him hear. I quote myself, why would, we want, why would one worship a God that you can fully understand? Well, well, in any case, okay, now let's look at how God answers humans, okay? So for those that have questions, cannot answer, start to get angry and doubt God, uh, I think it's better to go to Scripture and look at how God actually responds. He did respond once in the book of Job. So God answers humans who are proud or make unjustified assumptions. Let's look at how God answers, shall we? Okay, so if, if those that are not familiar with the book of Job, actually there's this man, who this guy called Job. His name is not Job. His name is Job. Or maybe it's Job. Um, he was a righteous man, okay, and God loved him. God blessed him with many, many things. I just read the scriptures just now, what, uh, 7,000 oxen or something like that. That's like, he's super duper rich, okay, and he's 10 children, 7 sons and 3 daughters. Okay, anyway, this guy was, was righteous before God, but, but for some reason, and there was an argument in the spiritual realm and whatever, so suffering came to him, everything was taken away from him, okay? So he was upset, and he was like, why, why did this happen to me? And he started complaining, not complaining, questioning God, complaining, and not just by himself, he, he grabbed three other friends that turned up, and the three of them spent 30 plus chapters trying to question and challenge and lord, uh, reason, Okay, why, uh, why this thing happened to this fantastic guy called Job? Okay, so they were questioning, challenging God. They say, and there were some accusations pointed here and there. And it's a whole mess of things. Uh, no time to talk about it, right? But at the end of, uh, after 39 chapters of whining, okay, uh, God turns up in chapter 40. So God turns up to respond to this 
outcry and the questioning. And I love how God answers. Are you all ready? Here's how God answers and I bring to you some snippets, okay? Job chapter 40 is when God turns up. Verse 7 to 10 says, He spoke to Job. He says this, Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like His? He's saying, then if you can, then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Essentially, God is quite, quite funny. I think, a, I mean, this kind of humor is only belongs to the Lord. He said, if you're so good, then show me. Can you clothe yourself in glory and splendor like me? Okay, then after that, God goes on and, and I like, He answers Job by bringing up, uh, not really directly, okay, He answers in a different way. So he go, I go down to verse 15, Job chapter 40, verse 15. He tells Job, look at Behemoth. Who is Behemoth? I don't know what that thing is. It's a creature. He, he says, which I made along with you and which feeds on grass like an ox. Okay? So he, he starts to describe this creature called the behemoth. And then in verse 24, he says, Can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce his nose? I can. God's saying that. And then he, after that example, he goes down in Job chapter 42. He talks about another creature. He says this, Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? I can. Can you? It's a wonderful response. Um, and with all that, Job backed off. He was humbled by God's response and he admits that he stepped out of line. So after the entire response from God, Job says this in Job chapter 42, verse 1 to 3. And this is his reply. He said, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. So just a thought. Is it man's place to challenge God? No, don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, yes, we should bring our requests to the Lord and ask and seek the answers. I think, you know, earnestly seek. But I just want to caution you that when you seek, there is a limit to how much our, our flawed, uh, small human minds can understand. And we have to be comfortable with that. Don't discount God just because your questions are not answered. Rather, let me uh, encourage and suggest to you that you should be patient. For those that have answers, uh, questions that have not been answered, okay, and you struggle with God, okay, the word for you is this, be patient. Keep in the faith. If you want your answer, you have to meet God. <laughs> so you better stay in the faith until you get there. Uh, either way, you get promoted to heaven in death or until Christ comes again, you can ask your question directly to the Lord then you will get your answer. Don't lose the faith just because you cannot understand. Wait until the day that we meet Him face to face. Then all your questions and doubts will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So I bring us back to our passage. Peter explains that the Lord is not slow 
In verse 9, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The reason why the Lord appears slow is because of His patience. Patient for what? For you. For me. And the entire human race. To come to repentance. So here in His patience also lies the very nature of our God. It is His grace and His mercy for the fallen people. God does not wish for any to perish. The last time I stood here, I preached from Ezekiel chapter 33. And verse 11 was a key verse that I spoke about. Let's take a look at that. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 says that, As I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You'll see that not. He's talking about the wicked. He's not even talking about the beloved, you know. And that the wicked turn from his way and live. God's desire is for people to turn back to him. That's why he's taking so, in inverted commas, long. God's patience is for the people to repent, also known as change our minds. God's greatest desire is for as many sinners to see their need for Jesus to receive Him and then to enjoy communion and a hope of eternal life with Him. But of course, uh, you know, with all that being said, one day the Lord will come again. Verse 11 in 2 Peter chapter 3 says this, that regardless the promise of Christ's return is certain, He will come again once this period of patience is up. Okay? Once this period of patience is up. So my next point is then what shall we do in the meantime? We need to keep up with the truth. Now the rest of the verses down this passage talk about how we, the beloved, should live while waiting, awaiting the return of the Lord. Verse 11 tells us to live lives of holiness and godliness. Verse 14 says, Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish or at peace. Eh, eh, sorry, and at peace. Okay? So in ad addition to these instructions, Peter urges the beloved to count the patience of our Lord as salvation. So as Christians, right, okay, now all of us, um, for the believers, right, we are already saved. So we might then resent that the Lord's patience is taking too long. God, why are you so slow? Come back for me already, please. You know, get me out of here. But let us consider this as salvation. What do you mean? Imagine if the Lord's patience wore out 10 years ago. How many of us might not have received this salvation and identity in Christ of which we enjoy freely right now? Or maybe 10 years is, you know, a little too near. 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, a thousand years ago, God's patience ran out. Would we be sitting here as the beloved, redeemed people of God? So as the beloved and children of God, we are to identify with the heart of God. We must understand our God's heart and beat with Him, have the same goals and objectives and, you know, by God's grace, the character of God shine in our life. We need to share in His patience and His heartfelt desire for none to perish. Right now, we don't want to be people that you say you're Christian, but you don't see God's heart. 
So my challenge for the people is this. What actions would you take in response to such a perspective that God desires none to perish? And that's why He's being so patient. Shall we share in the heart of God? Bring the good news to those who need to hear. Church of the Good Shepherd, we are a wonderful church. We are living this out because every year we faithfully do Christmas in Queenstown. Amen. (laughs) And many other outreach like Alpha and stuff like that. Why? Because I believe that we are people that share the heart of God. Amen. And that's why we are passionate about it. For a church this small, we can pull off, we can pluck so many trees, you know. (laughs) Not funny, man. Okay. (laughs) Never laugh for nothing. Warm up, huh? Okay. So, so Peter, Peter goes on to warn the beloved that, you know, along the way that there are some things in the scriptures that will be hard to understand. Okay, I'm sure you have come across certain obscure, very difficult passages. And so he's warning the beloved. He says that there will be um, ignorant people and unstable people that twist this to their own destruction as they do to other scriptures. What are they doing? Right, they want to mislead people because of all these obscure passages. Okay? So Peter is urging the beloved to take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Lawless people are everywhere nowadays. All you need to do is scroll your social media, okay? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. People are going a little bit uh, their own way, right? Bending what is right and wrong. Now everything is grey. No more yes and no anymore. Everything is maybe and it depends, right? 20 years ago, there's no such thing. Last five years, a lot. And it will increase in the days to come. So Peter is saying this and I love it because now we know, right? We are ready (laughs) to face these people but don't spend time uh, being carried away with this error. You can listen, yes, but suggestion is to not, right? Because why? You will lose your own stability, and you spend your mind on such things. But what shall the beloved and the beloved uh, believers do? Peter says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we should be spending our time on if you're so free. Okay, what are we to do? Don't bother about the teachings of the ignorant and the unstable, but grow in the grace and knowledge of what? of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Spend your time learning about Jesus. Look at His character. Nothing to do, go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at how Jesus operates because Jesus is God incarnate. He is the best depiction of God. Look at Jesus and the more you look at Him, the more you will look like Him. Amen. So, I bring this to a close and my three pointers were this. Firstly, let us remember the truth. Don't lose, uh, you know, don't don't start to doubt what Jesus says just because you want to interpret Him in in our own human logic. Next is to know that our God does not conform to our logic, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And last but not least, let us keep up with the truth until the day that Christ comes again for us, or until the day that you go ahead, the rest of us. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, will you hold fast to the promises of God? Will you persevere and be patient for the Lord's coming? And then while we wait patiently, how will we respond? What will we pursue in these moments as the day of the Lord draws near? 
I like to use, I've always wanted to use this analogy. Today I can use it again. Yesterday I told them. All of us like to invest in shares. Okay, most of us. Who wants to invest in shares that don't appreciate? Appreciate means increase in value. All of us want, today you invest $1, maybe 10 years down the road, become $20, right? And then you're, yay, what now? Right? That's, so th- all of us have that understanding. But can I share with you that there's one thing that confirm 300% will have appreciation in value, and that is if you invest in the things of the eternal. Invest in things that have eternal value. Having a house, a car, a a fantastic job, going on holidays, these are great things that God wishes for us to enjoy. But can I share with you that the perspective is that you should spend time, I'm not saying 100%, but spend some considerable amount of time to invest in things that have eternal value. And what is that? Things that have eternal value, the souls of people. Right? That's why I say, you know, if you are passionate about youth and young adult, please tell me. But of course, if the Lord places in your heart things of His kingdom, don't ignore. Because these are things that is worth investing in. And things that definitely will have value. Value for how long? For eternity. So look at these kind of things. You know, and if you, some, God places something in your heart, tell the pastoral team, you know, do something to, to, to move the kingdom of God and to invest in people's lives and speak life into their souls. Share the gospel with people. Why? Because this is where the eternal value is. And that, that is what I really wanted to say. So as I draw this to a close, um, every head bow, every eye close, and I just want to you know, speak to us and maybe call for a response. Now the Lord is uh, speaking I think little nuggets of things to different people at different parts of this sermon. You know, and I know the Lord wants to meet you and His Word is life. He wants to address some questions, but there are some that He cannot, and not in this time. But He wants you to know that He's here for you and His heart is for you. And He really just, He just wants to meet you, right? That He might lead you and guide you. And give you that peace. And for those that who have, you know, not had a chance to receive this Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I also want to take this time that you've been moved by this message. You want this Jesus into your life. You want to have that hope of eternal life, right? To have no fear in the day of uh, judgment. I want to invite you to say this prayer. And you will in- and when you say this prayer, you will invite Jesus into your life. And trust me, your life will never be the same again. You know, I will, I will, I will lead you in a prayer in a short while. And if it's the first time that you've said this prayer, please don't let it go wasted. But share with a Christian that you made this decision today. And trust me, that Christian will be extremely excited to journey with you. Now, if that is you, and you want this Jesus into your life, you can repeat after me this prayer, and the Lord will come into your life. So repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Even when I did not know you, I acknowledge that I have done wrong. I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way. But I thank you, Jesus, that on the cross, you died in my place, that my sins are forgiven once and for all. I receive you into my life, Lord Jesus. I'm righteous. 
and I want to follow you the, for the rest of my life. Come into my heart today. Father, I just want to pray for all of us here right now that as we fix our eyes upon you, oh Lord, we might be struggling, we might be losing patience. Holy Spirit, may you inspire us afresh today that we might be filled with the hope of your coming. We might be filled with the hope of your word. We might be filled with strength to deal with all the struggles and challenges out there because, Lord Jesus, your word and promises are true. So, Father, I ask that you release your power of your Holy Spirit into each and every one of us here and let your word inspire us for the days to come. That you might live the days in, in your glory and make the world see how good you are. May we shine with your goodness. Father, we just want to thank you for your word, your life-giving word. Be with us today. All this I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen.